This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Programs and welcome back to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So, Derek, what has been going on this week with you? Well, it's actually been a really busy week. I uh, had to work late Monday and Tuesday, so didn't exactly get the week started off the way I would hope, but you know, did a really fun live show uh, on my other show, The Derek Diamond Experience, on Thursday. Had a pretty relaxing weekend for the most part, and if my audio sounds different, I'm actually using a new microphone that I got this week. So the warm, dulcet always... tones of Derek Diamond <laughs> after dark, <laughs> something like that. Uh, but yeah, it's always fun to get you know new audio or video toys in the mail and try them out. So uh, all in all, not been a not been a terrible week. What about you? Uh, it's been a long, long week, and uh, looking forward to February because I got a couple days coming up where we're going to be on vacation. We're going to Disney for a bit, and then of oh, course man. there's Pensacon, which we're going to be mm-hmm. at this year. And if, if you're in the the Pensacola area, we're going to be doing a panel for the movie, the short film that Derek and I worked on called Survey. And there's going to be mm-hmm. a panel at five o'clock on Sunday evening. Um, it's going to be, where is it at? It's at the Grand Hotel, right? That is correct. Yeah. At five o'clock Grand Hotel. I'm not sh- sure which ballroom we're going to be in, but there's only so many to choose from. So you'll be able to find the right one. Some process of elimination will yeah. help you figure that out pretty quick. <laughs> uh, but, uh, also this week we did our extra episode for pop culture palette for the, uh, the Patreon people, uh, Patreon supporters. And, uh, we did Disney family feud. This month, Ooh. and we had a lot of fun doing that episode. So if you want to get it, you got to go over there and, uh, you know, dig deep into your pockets and give us give us a dollar a month and you get access to those extra shows. That sounds like it'd be a blast to do. Oh, it was so fun. Yeah, we got to have you on one of these months because we uh, for our extra episodes, we always do uh, uh, the game show. And uh, each each time we do the game show, we, we, we do something a little bit different. And, um, yeah, this time we did Family Feud, and it was so fun. We could do a, uh, to kind of tie into this show, we could do some type of retro gaming trivia show. Oh, we could. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm down, for sure. I like that idea. Let's do that. Maybe we should uh, do our own Patreon so people can support us on this show, and we could do extra shows for you people. No, absolutely. So let us know absolutely. if you think that would be a good idea. And the best way to do that is go over to at NerdCaveRetro on Twitter, and uh, we'll get back to you um, pretty much as soon as possible because I'm always on Twitter, always checking our Twitter. So uh, go over there. That's the easiest place to get a hold of us if you want to talk. If you want us to talk about anything as far as uh, if you got any cool articles or anything you think we, you'd like us to talk about, 
um, go uh, go let us know over there, and we'll we'll do it on the show. Or even you know extras uh, ideas for extra episodes oh, for absolutely. us to do if we were to do a Patreon. Absolutely. But uh, on that note, let's go ahead and move into this month, uh, the news for this episode. Our first article comes to us from VG247.com. John Cena in talks to play Duke Nukem in a movie. (laughs) John Cena may very well be Duke Nukem on the big screen. The well-known wrestler and sometimes actor is reportedly negotiating for a leading role in a Duke Nukem movie. The project is still early, though, as no writer or director have been assigned yet. THR is reporting that Paramount Studios will produce the movie alongside Michael Bay's production company, Platinum Dunes. The report called the movie a starring vehicle for Cena. So I, I, I don't know a ton about Duke Nukem, and I know that, you know, John Cena's career as a wrestler is kind of winding down because he's in his 40s now. Yeah. Um, he's he's on TV less and less now. I think he definitely has the look to play Duke Nukem. And I've seen him, you know, in a few uh, movie roles he's been in. He He's good at playing comedy. And I assume this would be like an over-the-top, you know, action comedy, which I I, I think he could actually do. I think so too, but at the same time, I'm always weary of movies that where they come out with this huge announcement that, oh, such and such is going to play, uh, you know, some titular character from video games or something, and then no writer or director on the project yet. And I'm like, you haven't even written it, and you're, you've got, you know, you're casting something that hasn't even been written yet. Like, do you, do you know how long it takes to write a movie? Oh, well, I mean, it's going to be Duke Nukem. They'll probably write it in like three days, but, you know. <laughs> but I don't know. It'll just, be a fun weekend project. That always weirds me out when they do stuff like that. I, it just, it screams that this project is never going to happen. Yeah, that's definitely possible. And it, and if you scroll down on the uh, in the comments, someone actually did a mock-up of Cena as Duke Nukem, and it actually <laughs> looks pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> So, I mean, I, it'll be interesting if this actually does happen. I, I'm with you in that, you know, when they announce that no writer or director is attached yet, it's just they want to, they're basically making a movie just to cast someone as the lead character is usually not a good sign, but, yeah. you know, who knows? I mean, I, Duke Nukem seems like one of those movies that it wouldn't be that hard to make it what it should be. Yeah. But... We know how it usually works out with video game adaptations. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't have high hopes for this at all. I mean, I like John Cena, but this just seems, I don't know. Like it, It's just so weird. I hate it when they do that, especially if Michael Bay's name is attached to it. I mean, this is a total not Michael <laughs> that's Bay usually style not a movie, good sign. but that's not a good sign to me at all. Oh, uh, yeah, that is true. That is very uh, true. <laughs> yeah. But in other news, uh, legendary cover artist Bob Wakelin passed away this week, and this is on NintendoLife.com. Uh, with great sadness, we have the reports passing of Bob Wakelin, one of the most prolific video game cover artists of his generation. You might be familiar with some of his work as far as Contra for the NES, where he kind of, even as a kid, I knew he ripped off uh, the Predator cover of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Um, yeah. And then he did Rainbow Islands, New Zealand Story, Mr. Nuts. Uh, and one of the, the biggest ones that, um, that really caught my attention as a kid, and I still think it's one of the best video game covers of all time, is the Batman video game cover that he did back in the 80s. Uh, it was actually not the, the not Batman the video game for the Nintendo. It was actually before that. It was uh, it was developed by Ocean, and I believe it was for the uh, the Commodore sixty four and earlier computers like the Amiga. Uh, I guess I could look that up really quick just to so I'm not talking out of my ass. Uh, let's see, Batman computer game. Does it have like three different pictures of Batman on it? Like it's got a shot from the chest up, uh, and then like two full body shots on it. Because I'm uh, seeing like three different ones. Yeah, it's where he's uh, he's actually punching out the uh, the 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 penguin. Oh, this one. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, let me. I think this is it. It's Batman: The Cape Crusader, uh, released. Let me make sure. No, that's not it. This is uh. I think he did that one too, the one before that, but that's uh, Batman the Cape Crusader. Uh, yeah, it was developed by um, Special Effects Software Limited, released by or published by Ocean and Data East. Uh, it was for the Amiga, the Atari ST, Commodore 64, Apple II, MS DOS, and the ZX Spectrum. It was released in 1988. I don't think they ever brought ported this over to like the Nintendo or anything like that. Uh, I really wanted this game as a kid just because the cover was so awesome looking. It does look great. Yeah, I, would I, love I will to say that a, a lot of his artwork. I'm looking at it right now. It's it's really good. Yeah, you have if you're a retro gamer, especially if you were alive in the 80s, you saw this guy's work. I mean, he did a lot of video game covers um, like Operation Wolf, uh, Green Beret, Whizball, Parallax, uh, some of these other ones on here. Um, Rastan, uh, Renegade, Cabal. I mean, it's crazy how much stuff this guy did back in the 80s. Yeah, so uh, rest in peace, uh, Bob Wakelin. Yes, rest in peace, and uh, may all your video games be awesome. Absolutely. And uh, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Uh, let's start us off in January 8th of 1988, Konami releases Super Contra as well as the NES version of Metal Gear in North America and the PAL region. Vaguely heard of Metal Gear. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they, they made a couple of more games after that, didn't they? Uh, I don't know, one or two, 13, <laughs> somewhere around there. I think they're still yeah, what, making what's Metal the difference, Gear games. Right? Yeah, uh, in the, in the, it's the same guy that's done all of them, right? Yeah. Since the beginning, that's crazy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, let's oh, look that up. Hideo Kojima. Yes, Hideo Kojima. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's still making games to this day. I know he's not with Konami anymore, hmm. but he's he's still. Uh, oh no, that that was a big story that happened. That it was either last year or the year before where he left Konami. Yeah, I think I remember reading about that. Yeah, that was a big deal when that happened. But you know, Metal Gear. That's one of those long-standing franchises that you never really think has been around for that long. Oh, yeah. I hated it's, the original Metal Gear for the NES because I, I am not a stealth gamer. I don't like stealth games at all. Mm -hmm. 
I could do without it. I'm, I like platforming and like run and gun type of stuff. And when it comes, like I could never get into like the Metal Gear games or the, uh, uh, what were those ones? The Tom Clancy ones, Splinter Cell. I can, I tried to play Splinter Cell, couldn't do it. I, and what are the other ones? The, uh, the, the ones that are really popular now with uh, Black Flag and uh, the one that just came out about ancient Egypt. Oh, Assassin's Creed. Yeah, Assassin's Creed. I can't do it. I can't do stealth gaming. I just, I don't have the patience for it. I kind of want to play that new Assassin's Creed just because I love Egyptian stuff. Yeah. But that, but that would be the only reason why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. In 1990, Double Dragon 2 The Revenge by Acclaim Entertainment was released for the NES. I want to pick up a copy of Double Dragon 2 because they did get better. Um, I think it was Double Dragon 2 that was really good, and then uh, Double Dragon 3 kind of, uh, I think, was, wasn't was very good. Um, but I, I do, I, I'm almost positive that Double Dragon 2 is the best of all the, uh, the Double Dragon NES titles. That's what I've heard, too, in like reviews I've read of these games, that it's widely considered to be the, the best out of all of them. Yeah. I've never played them, but... You know, it's another one of those, when I think of NES, Double Dragon's one of the first games that I think of. Oh, absolutely. That's why I had to get my uh, get a copy of the original Double Dragon, just because it's one of those games that's like, you know, it's like Ninja Gaiden or, uh, you know, Super Mario Brothers. Like, when I think of the NES, that's one of the first games that pops in my head. For sure. Uh, and also, in 1991, attack, uh, January of 1991, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes was published by THQ Incorporated and is released for the NES. It was later ported to the Game Boy in 1992. Did you ever play Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? I used to watch the cartoon, and I think I saw the movie once. I saw the cartoon, but I never played the games. Yeah, I didn't either. But the concept is amazing, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's so stupid. It's awesome. Yeah, that, that you put it exactly right. Let's see. I'm I'm looking at the the story. It says the game's protagonist is Chad Finletter, a young boy who is on a quest to stop the evil scientist, Doctor Putrid T. Gangrene, <laughs> from unleashing his doomsday tomato. During his journey, he must fight through legions of mutant tomatoes, although this is a feat he will take on alone as the citizens of San Zucchini are too afraid of the mutant tomatoes to aid him. That's yeah. a terrible reason <laughs> for people not to help. It's like, oh, we're too scared. Sorry. And you know what's you're crazy? On, you're on your own, kid. Like back in the 80s when they used to make cartoons off of rated R, like horror movies, action movies, especially like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, they turned into a cartoon on the Fox network. And it was a, like a rated R, like pretty hardcore, bloody movie back in the 80s. And um, they also made a cartoon and, and toys of like Rambo and RoboCop. And like RoboCop is hardcore, man. Yeah, I remember that first Rambo movie. Seeing that as a kid, I was like, I don't know if I should be watching this. Yeah, I actually just watched it again not too long ago. And man, that movie's brutal. My favorite line from that whole movie is when uh, Rambo's old uh, like commanding officer shows up and he says, he says, I'm not here to save Rambo from you guys. I'm here to save you from him. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great. And of movie. course, we find out why. Oh, yeah, because he's awesome. Yeah, he's such a badass. 
Uh, let's see. In January of 1992, the Adams Family by Ocean Software is released for the Super Nintendo. I'm, I'll be honest. I had no idea there was a SNES Adams Family game. Uh, I did. I actually played. I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one I played. And I remember it actually being kind of good. I'd love to pick up a copy of it and see if it holds up. Yeah, I'd love to play this, too, because I, I love the Adams Family back in the day. Oh, I do, too. I still have a soft spot in my heart for the Adams Family. That would be like either as a movie or maybe as like a Netflix miniseries. I'd be interested to see like a modern take on it. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I, even still, like the 1990 uh, or it was 90 or 91 when the first Adams Family movie came out, it still holds up like mm-hmm. crazy. Oh, yeah. The one where um, is that the one where Fester tries to be like a normal human yeah. being or. Yeah, no, I remember well, that. Well, the, I think the first one was where Fester, it was someone else who was like a normal guy. Um, mm-hmm. They did something to Fester, and he took over as Fester, and they didn't know because he looked just like him, and he was trying to like destroy the family or something like that. I have to go back and watch it again. It's I watched it like two years ago on Netflix, and I was like, wow, this actually holds up pretty well. I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. Yeah, you should. We should watch that and uh, do a one of our um, oh. <laughs> uh, our famous audio commentaries. Yeah, which we were supposed to do for Super Mario Brothers, but never did. <laughs> uh, we we can we can still do it. I don't want Wally to get out of it. Yeah, he, he's not getting out. You're not getting out of it that easy, Wally. I know you're listening. <laughs> uh, oh, also, man. in January of 1992, a game that one of the first games I reviewed for this uh, this podcast was Monster in My Pocket by Konami was released for the Nintendo Entertainment System and quite possibly one of the best side scrollers for the NES. I do remember you. Uh, yeah, that was very, very early on when we did this podcast, and I, I remember you raving about it. And I you know, to be honest, like I didn't really like I had heard of it, but didn't know like it was as big as it was. Yeah, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, sort of like the fidget spinner or something it, like it, it. It came on the scene and it burned really brightly for like a short amount of time. Kind of like um, you remember muscles when we were a kid, the mm-hmm. little plastic figures called muscle like that. It's that's sort of what monster in my pocket was. It was like after. First there was muscle, and then there came monster in my pocket, and all it was was just little plastic monsters, like you know, classic monster, you know, Wolfman and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and as kids, we would go crazy, like collecting that shit for like, you know, like six months to a year, and then like you never heard about it again. Yeah, but no, you reviewed monsters in my pocket on the second episode. Wow, of this podcast. <laughs> That was back when we were doing, like, we would each do a review an episode. Yeah. Well, because we, when we first got were doing this show, we were thinking we were just going to do it seasonally, like six mm-hmm. to eight episodes every season, like January, you know, like uh, fall, summer, winter. And then we the show did so well that we were like, well, maybe we should do this every week. Well, and we had so much fun doing it. Yeah. You know, I think we both wanted it to continue and... You know, here we are. I think this is episode 71. Yeah, it's that's crazy. Because yeah, I was not expecting the numbers we got when we first started. Like, yeah. I was thinking we were going to get like, you know, five, ten listeners being like, hey, you guys talking about cool stuff. 
and it would stay that way for a while. But then we put out like a first, second, third episode, and it was like hundreds and hundreds of listeners. And I was like, uh, I think we're on to something here. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we've even talked about this off air. There's not really any retro gaming themed shows out there. Actually, there are now. Like I'm uh, now that we're on Twitter and we're starting to get a little bit more of a community built up. Um, I'm actually finding out that there are retro gaming podcasts out there. And, oh, really? Um, yeah, I'd like to uh, get with some of them and be like, "Hey, let's uh, let's do some crossover stuff." No, oh, absolutely. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, in January of 1993, Batman Returns, developed and published by Konami, is released for the Super Nintendo. The Sega version was published by Sega of America and developed by Acme Interactive and Malibu Interactive. I actually, that, that was what I uh, reviewed, what, back in December? for Because uh, it was one of the few games that was I had that was actually Christmas-themed. Let's see, that was, yeah, it was mid-December. I highly Batman recommend Returns. it if you find a copy of Batman Returns for the SNES. It's so good. It's crazy how good that game is. I do want to play it at some point. I'll have to see if I can find it on the, the Super Nintendo. Because uh, there, I found this. I can't remember if I told you, but there's another really cool retro gaming store here in town. I think I've told you off air, but I don't know if I've mentioned it on air. It's called Video Game Trading Post. Yeah, I think It's this little hole-in-the-wall yeah. place. And they have a ton of stuff, but they don't just sell like games. They have collectibles. They have old strategy guides, awesome. consoles. It's a really cool place. I might have to go check it out when I come over for Pensacon. You should. You definitely should. I think you'd really like it. It's a small place, but they've got a lot of stuff. And uh, for our penultimate uh, in the uh, this week, this month in video game history. In January of 1997, Final Fantasy VII was released for the PS1, uh, and I remember my roommate had a PlayStation uh, back in, in the late 90s, and I he had this game, and I really wanted to play it. I think I played it for about three hours, and I got really bored and stopped. This was... I remember when this game came out and how hyped it was and how well it was received. Like, I remember just anytime you turn on the TV or you'd go on the computer, you would see all types of Final Fantasy VII stuff. Like, this is one of the most publicized games, I think, like, of the modern era. Yeah. Because I remember just hearing so much about it and how much people loved it and all the great reviews that it got, but never played it. I watched my uncle play it briefly when it first came out, but I think he only played it for like an hour or so. And then, you know, we went on to do something else yeah. and never really saw it again. I, I think the problem was, is there was a really long, like a 10 hours worth of tutorial to play for the game. Oh, if, if I remember correctly. And, um, I mean, maybe it's something I could get into now uh, that I'm mm -hmm. older, but at the time it was just, it was not, I was not into this type of game. <laughs> I just, I don't, and I'm not knocking the franchise because yeah, obviously it's, it, it's doing just fine, but I've just never been able to get into it. Yeah. I don't either. know what it is. It just may not be my thing, but I've never been able to get into Final Fantasy. Well, I think it's, it, that's exactly what Final Fantasy is like, especially, you know, when you talk to gamers or people like us. It's one of those game franchises that you're either really into it 
or you're just kind of like, you don't really care. It's not like anybody hates it. I don't think anybody hates it. I think people just, they fall into two categories. They either really love it or they're just kind of meh, don't care. Yeah, I would agree with that. And finally, in January of 2000, Army Men Sarge's Heroes by the 3DO Company is released for the Sony PlayStation. I remember they had some hilarious commercials for this game, but I never played it. I played this for the Nintendo 64 and loved it. It's still one of my favorite N64 games. I'll have to check this out at some point because I, I I don't remember much about like the gameplay. I don't think I've ever even seen anybody play it, but I just remember there being really funny commercials for it on TV, yeah. and it made me kind of want to play it. But you know, I was. Like I dabbled into the PlayStation a little bit with the Crash Bandicoot games, but I was still, you know, hardcore Nintendo at that point. Yeah, you could pick up a copy of this for the uh, the N sixty four pretty cheap. I almost picked up a copy of it a couple of weeks ago at the local Play and Talk. Uh, I think they wanted like it's around I think around ten twelve bucks maybe for it. It was a perfect well, copy bad. of it, and um, I was gonna pick it up, but I ended up getting something else. I think that was the day that uh, I ended up getting. Um, the legend of the mystical ninja or something, something I picked up that I was wanting for a long time and uh, ended mm-hmm. up not getting army men, Sarge's heroes. But I remember really liking it for the N64. So I'd like to get a copy of it if I come across it again. Yeah, this would be one, like I said, I would love to play it, you know, at, at some point in the future, just to see the, the hype that I missed out on. Yeah. But Derek, Enough about this month in video game history. What are you listening to right now? Are you listening to any books? I am, actually. So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I teased this a couple of weeks ago, but I did finally start listening to Ready Player One. Ah. It's narrated by Will Wheaton or as I call him, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton from Star Trek The Next Generation fame. Um, I'm relatively early into the book, but so far I'm loving like all the, the 80s references and whatnot. Like it, it makes me you know really excited for the movie that's coming out uh, in a couple of months and seeing people post online, because you know, I think Wally posted recently um, that he read the book uh, Robbie read the book too. They both swear by it and say it was great. So I'm really liking it so far. It's kind of a long book. It's almost 16 hours long. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, it'll, I don't know if I'll have it finished by the time we do our next show, but that's I'm a sure lot I'll of content. It. It, yeah, that's a lot of content for free. If you use our code 16 that hours, is, you can't shake a stick at that. That is very true, but they ha- they have other books too. They have other gaming books. They have books from the Halo series, Gears of War, Mass Effect. They have fiction, nonfiction, sci-fi, mystery, romance, any genre you can think of. Audible has. There's really no reason you shouldn't get it. And you know, if you don't like it, you can always cancel, but you still get to keep your free book. Yeah. And to do that, go to audibletrial.com/nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com/nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. And this week we're talking about... (laughs) 
Jaunty little tune right there. I love that song so much. <laughs> it is it gets the blood flowing if you're if you're a fan. Mm-hmm. This week you're getting a, a three in one review because I'm gonna be reviewing Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow for the Nintendo Game Boy. This is actually the first Game Boy review we've had on this podcast, which is surprising when you think about it. But I remember, you know, when we were adding stuff to our list, I was like we haven't reviewed any Game Boy games yet. So I, I made a, a list and then I posted on uh, the Nerd Cave Facebook page knowing very well what was going to win as far as what I should review. And sure enough, Pokemon won in a landslide, which is perfectly fine by me because I love these games. Um, where to start with Pokemon? Uh, it started with Red and Blue. The games came out uh, in Japan, well, funny story, in Japan, the two versions were red and uh, green instead of red and blue. Those came out in February of 1996, and then they released a blue version uh, later on in the year. But they came out in North America in September of 1998, and I remember exactly where I was when I was introduced to Pokemon. I was in an old Walmart about 30 minutes from where my parents live. And I just remember kind of being, you know, intrigued by the cover because you've got the red version, which basically has this dragon looking thing on it called Charizard. The blue version has this giant turtle called Blastoise with cannons coming out of its shell. So being, let's see, this was 98. So I was, I had just turned 12 at the time. And I knew nothing about Pokemon other than it was a big thing in Japan. So I bought the game and I was hooked. Like I was instantly like all about Pokemon. I collected the cards. I collected, you know, the strategy guide that they uh, brought the anime over from Japan a couple of years later was all into that. I was into everything Pokemon. I love this franchise. And to tell you a little bit about it, uh, Pokemon are role-playing video games developed by Game Freak and published by Nintendo for the Game Boy. The Red and Blue are the first installments of the Pokemon series. They were first released in Japan in 96 as Red and Green, then later released as Red and Blue in North America, Europe, Australia over the following three years. And then uh, three years later in America, Pokemon Yellow, which was a special edition, was released roughly a year later. And since then, there have been remakes for the Game Boy Advance uh, called Fire Red and Leaf Green that they released in the mid-2000s. Uh, but the player controls the protagonist from an overhead perspective and navigates him through the fictional region of Kanto in a quest to master Pokemon battling. The goal of the games is to become the champion of the Indigo League by defeating eight gym leaders and then the top four Pokemon trainers in the land, also known as the Elite Four. Another objective is to complete the Pokedex, an in-game encyclopedia by obtaining the 150 available Pokemon. Now, the interesting thing about the Pokemon games is you couldn't get all 150 in one game. So There were some that were exclusive to the red version and some exclusive to the red version. So hopefully you had a friend with the other version who had the... Uh, I don't know if you remember the, the way you used to link the Game Boys together yeah. is that called this thing called the game link cable. Yeah. You basically 
plug the both ends of the cable into each of your Game Boys, you go to a Pokemon Center and they have a special booth you go to where you go in this room and you request a trade. And then if your partner is connected, you'll actually meet your partner's character in the room huh. and you and you, you know, trade Pokemon that way. And what's cool is uh, most every Pokemon has an evolution. So like say you start out in red and blue, you can start out with one of three different Pokemon. You can have Bulbasaur, which is a grass type. Every Pokemon has different types and they're all, you know, strong against some types and weak against others like you know, fire obviously would be weak against water. Fire or yeah, fire would be strong against grass, so on and so forth. There's several different types. Um, but then like Bulbasaur, once you get him to a certain level, he evolves into an Ivysaur. And then at a later level evolves into a Venusaur. So some have two evolutionary forms, some have one, and some don't have any. So it, it really just depends on the Pokemon. But basically the gist of this game is you travel throughout the land. Uh, collecting all these badges that you uh, you get by facing uh, gym leaders who are these really strong Pokemon trainers. And all of them have, you know, different Pokemon that are type-specific. So say, like, the first gym you go to, uh, the gym leader's name is Brock. He uses a rock type. So you have to look up, you know, what's strong against a rock type. Well, if you, if you have the red and blue version, if you have either Bulbasaur or... Squirtle, who is the water type, um, then you'll be fine. But fire is weak against rock. So then you'd have to catch another Pokemon that's strong against rock type and train it until you can go fight him. And then there's several different subplots there. You fight this evil group named Team Rocket who are basically um, using Pokemon for evil, selling them, and all that fun stuff. Uh, along with, you know, just trying to be known as the best Pokemon trainer in the land. Well, didn't they come out with a uh, like a Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow just recently, or am I kind of confusing it with uh, the what do they call it? The Pokemon the the game that just came out like a year ago. The one that came out a year ago, I think, was let's see. There are so many now that like I I don't play any of the uh, the modern games. Yeah, I'm, but I do love I do love going back and visiting the old ones. It was Sun and Moon, were the latest ones that came out. Because I remember there being I I don't know if if I'm just confusing it with what uh, the the mobile game that just came out because they don't oh they, Pokemon Go yeah because don't they have like the different colors of because like when you sign into it like I sound so stupid talking about this because I don't know anything no, about it. But people kind of um, they make there's like different teams. Oh, I, there's like a, then like a blue team, a red team that yeah. you kind of like a, a house almost like almost like a you know Gryffindors or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they have. Um, there's a yellow team, a red team, and a blue team. That doesn't really like you can't. It doesn't make any difference what color your team is. You can catch the same Pokemon. It's just different like it's just different teams for the sake of having different teams ah, okay at least that's how i think about it but pokemon go is it's is its own different animal but you know this game kind of speaks for itself i mean it became a worldwide phenomenon yeah and it, it still is to this day and pokemon go kind of revitalized that because you know you had you had red blue and yellow 
which I'll get to, to yellow and the differences with that in a second. But then after that, you had gold and silver. And then I think after that was ruby and sapphire. But after gold and silver was when I kind of got out of Pokemon because every year they add a different group of like 100 or 150 more Pokemon. So it's just so much to keep up with because in the original series, there's 150. And then they add another 150 with gold and silver, which there are some cool ones there. But then after that, you know, they kept adding more and more and more. So it's it's just at this point, it's too much to keep up with. And I, I've tried to play some of the newer versions. I think I played uh, Pokemon Black when they released Black and White a couple of years ago. And then I played um, Moon when it came out. But I just I couldn't get into it. But the original yeah. games are really, really fun. And I've been playing Yellow over the weekend to kind of get prepped for the review. And it still holds up. I mean, the gameplay is simple. The story's fun. You know, it, it's just one of those games that really just kind of holds up to me more than the other ones. And to kind of go into Yellow and why I wanted to include it on this review is that Yellow is virtually the same game as Red and Blue. But because the anime was so popular, they changed and tweaked a couple of things like the characters looks a little bit of the story. But the biggest thing was in the cartoon, um, Ash, the main character, um, oversleeps. So he misses getting either a Bulbasaur, Charmander or Squirtle. And the only Pokemon that Professor Oak has left is a Pikachu. Hmm. And which which kind of worked because he's the most iconic Pokemon now out of, you know, however many they have now. Oh yeah. He's still the most recognizable. So, but Pikachu in the cartoon doesn't like being in his Pokeball. So he always stays out. So he's always like on Ash's shoulder walking next to him. So in the, in the game, Pikachu follows you around and you can even turn around and talk to him to see like what type of mood he's in. Cause he hates you in the beginning of the game, but goes on to, you know, become attached later on and with yellow you can eventually get all three of the original starters Bulbasaur Charmander and Squirtle um in the cartoon there were two members of Team Rocket that Ash and his friends would always fight in every episode named Jesse and James well they show up periodically and you have to fight them at random points in the game so it's it's minor differences but I, I like the yellow version just because I was such a huge fan of that cartoon back in the day that when they remade, uh, when they remade the original game and included those changes, I was like, you know, I I had to get it, and it's still my favorite Pokemon game to this day, and probably next to Link's Awakening, my favorite Game Boy game. Wow, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't have much to uh, contribute to. Oh no, the no, review it's, for it, this it's week because uh, like literally just Pokemon just came along at a time when it just completely passed me by. And, um, you, and, you know, as I've gotten older, like I understand it and I kind I kind of get it. Um, and it sounds fun, but it just, it holds no interest for me whatsoever. It, I was a little too old for it when it came out. And, um, if I had been a few years younger, I probably would have been all into it. Cause it sounds like something that's right up my alley. But like I said, I was a little too old for it. Like you said, this came out in what, 96 Mm -hmm. I was 19 years old when this came out. So, 
it was kind of past the the point of me being able to pay attention to it. I you know I was in my first year of college. I was kind of not even playing video games. I wasn't watching cartoons or anything at that point. So a lot of this stuff in this era really passed me by. And uh, like I tried to give Pokemon Go a uh, a try a go. when it first yeah I tried to give it a go when it first came out. But I got really nervous about them having access to my Google account. And I know that sounds stupid, but I really didn't trust it too much. So I immediately deleted it off my phone and I never started to play it. So that would have been my entry into the Pokemon world. But even then, it still kind of slipped through my fingers. Well, that and the fact that their servers were complete shit yeah. were the reasons that a lot of people left. I mean, I, that's why I left for a while, because I was tired of the game just crashing. I mean, it, when they announced Pokemon Go, like, I geeked out over it. I said this will be one of the most fun things to do. And, you know, for, for a while it was, but there were just so many crashes and so many problems that eventually I just said it's it's – it's not worth the trouble of yeah. dealing with. You know, I why know. would I play a game when it crashes two or three minutes in and it says that I didn't catch this, you know, really cool Pokemon that I caught? Well, I really don't think they were expecting the number of downloads that they got. And, uh, you know, it was like a cultural phenomenon for like a month. That's all you heard people talking about, like literally millions of people playing this game at the same time. They they should have had way more servers up and running to to run everything smoothly. Well, I think a lot of people who grew up with Pokemon and fell off of it when they saw that, you know, this was coming out and it was starting with just the original 150, I think that drew a lot of the older, you know, Pokemon fans back in. I mean, it it drew me back in. So it, it's it, it was one of those games that and I I get where you're saying is like it it's one of those things where if you didn't grow up with it, you don't understand it as much. And I, I would have probably been in the same situation if I had been, you know, in my early 20s when this game came out. I probably wouldn't have even given it a shot. But, you know, being, you know, in your like, I, yeah, because I was 12 when this came out, you know, it, to me, that was like the perfect age for the to deal with this. And yeah. I remember so many car rides and so many times, you know, just sitting at a family member's house, like, you know, finding a quiet spot to, you know, play this game for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes if I could. Yeah. And, and, and since then, it spawned off, you know, so many fun games like Pokemon Stadium for the N64, Pokemon Snap. I, I really think because they've pretty much said that there's going to be an open world Pokemon game for the Switch or at least an RPG yeah. Because there aren't going to be any more 3DS games. That will be one of the biggest selling video games of the last five plus years. Oh, I'm sure. I have, I have zero doubt of that because it, people grew up with this. Yeah. And it's been one of those things that, you know, people have been waiting for for a long time. But Nintendo said for the longest time that Pokemon is best on a handheld form well guess what now they have a hybrid you know portable and home console system and when you say that you're not making any more pokemon games for the 3ds 
that pretty much tells me what's coming. Oh yeah, and, and that might actually be my entry into the the Pokemon world. I might give it a shot if it's on the Switch. I'm hoping it's one of those things where, like Pokemon Go, they just start off with just the original 150. It depends on how they do it, but you know, I think either way, it's gonna sell a ton of consoles and a ton of copies. And it says here, uh, let's see, the original games received an aggregated score of 89% on game rankings and are perennially ranked on top game lists, including at least four years on IGN's top 100 games of all time. Wow. The the game's releases mark the beginning of what would become a multi-billion dollar franchise, jointly selling millions of copies worldwide. In 2009, they appeared in the Guinness Book of World Records under best-selling RPG on the Game Boy and best-selling RPG of all time. Why can't I come up with something like Pokemon? <laughs> right? <laughs> Damn. Can you, uh, whoever made Pokemon is just like, they'll never be able to spend as much money as they've made in like a hundred lifetimes. I like to think they're doing what Scrooge McDuck likes yeah. to do, and they just go into a giant safe and just swim in the money. I would, too. I would just have a giant silo full of just $100 bills and just go diving into it on a daily basis. I would do something that I've seen it in movies, but if I just had like money to just throw away, I would light a cigar with a $100 yeah. bill. <laughs> That'd be nice. I know. But no, the, the you know this game kind of speaks for itself. But I I just wanted to comment. You know this this was a really fun franchise, and it's still very successful. Even though that I don't play the newer games, the original versions, especially Yellow, hold a very special place in my heart. I I, I love the original games. They're so much fun. They're simple. It, it's it's kind of repetitious, but it's repetitious in a fun way because you're motivated to you know, strengthen your team, figure out the nice balance of different types because you've got, let me see if I can name off the different types off the top of my head. You have grass, fire, water, uh, normal, electric, ice, psychic, poison, hmm. flying. I didn't many. Yeah. And there, there's way, there's even more in the newer games. Crazy. Yeah, let's see, I named off nine. Let me see how many I got. Pokemon types, red and blue. Oh, there were a couple that I missed. All right, so in Pokemon red and blue, there were 15 types. There were bug, dragon, ice, fighting, fire, flying, grass, ghost, ground, electric, normal, Poison, psychic, rock, and water. <laughs> it's like an expanded version of paper, rock, scissors. Something like that. And and you can obviously do deducing from what beats what. Like obviously water will beat fire. Electric will beat water. Ground will beat electric. Psychic will beat just about anything. Uh, let's see. Flying beats ground. And so on and so forth. So, you know, it, it's it uses a little bit of common sense too, as far as uh, it actually says here on the uh, description. 
Pokemon types are special attributes which determine the strength and weaknesses of different Pokemon species. They lay the foundation of a complex yet mostly logical rock, paper, scissors. Wow. I guess I had it right so, then. There you go. <laughs> you did. So what do you, you know, give the, it out, out of a, a one to ten scale? Um, I would give red and blue. I would give a nine. And then I would give yellow a nine and a half. Wow. They're, they're that good. I, I love these games. And I'm crazy. glad this was voted to be like the first Game Boy game. Because, I mean, it was either going to be this or Link's Awakening, but I'll save Link's Awakening for another episode. Awesome. But you can, if you have a 3DS, you can download um, Red, Blue, Yellow, and I think Gold, Silver, and Crystal, which were the games after this, on the eShop. Cool. So definitely go back and check those out because that's how I've been playing Yellow is on the 3DS. And it holds up very well. Awesome. But yeah, that's my review of the original Pokemon games. Sounds good. Uh, I'm kind of excited about the the one coming out for the uh, for the uh, the Switch now. And that, that might be my first foray into the world of Pokemon. I can't wait for the first trailer. I'm going to geek out so hard over it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but coming up next week, um, we will have a guest, a returning guest, Mr. Joey. Yes. Image is going to be here, and we're going to be talking about Rygar for the Nintendo Entertainment System. I'm going to have to read up on it so he doesn't body slam me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and no live show again next week either, uh, because we have, well, I don't know, maybe. Well, I'll think about it. Because uh, we have to record on Saturday night as opposed to Sunday night, our normal schedule, because of uh, the Super Bowl on Sunday. The uh, the sports ball. The sports ball. The big the big sports ball. Su- the, the Super Bowl uh, uh, is going on. Did you ever watch Frasier? Uh, no, I didn't. So, do you know anything about the Frasier character? Like, he's a psychiatrist? Yeah, yeah, and I know the general. You know, I know what you would normally know about it, by, even though I've never okay. seen it. Well, his brother Niles is also a psychiatrist, and they know nothing about sports. <laughs> and during one of the episodes, and their their dad is, like, the complete opposite of them. He's, like, your common everyday guy. You know, he watches baseball, football, likes to sit at home and drink beer, or go out to the bar and, you know, do, like, Typical guy stuff. Well, they're talking about football, and Niles ends up calling football the football ball. <laughs> and I remember watching that for the first time on Netflix, and I I had to pause the show because I was laughing so hard. Uh, that's awesome. I'm I've actually been interested in watching Frasier because I saw Cheers, and um, everybody oh, talks about of, how good t- Frasier is, and I've never I've never watched it. It's good. It's not as good as Cheers, but you know, Cheers is like top three all-time favorite show for me. Oh yeah, Cheers is so good. If you've never ro- seen Cheers, oh my god, you've uh, got to you got to go watch Cheers, people. You can't listen to the show again unless you go back and watch yeah. Cheers. That's how high <laughs> I regard it. It's uh, the it's just the acting and the writing on that show was just so so good. Oh, and just as a recommendation of something I've been watching lately. Uh, it just came out on Netflix. It's actually been on for a few seasons now. I watched a couple of them on Crackle a couple of years ago. 
Um, but I didn't really start watching it hardcore until it came out on Netflix. But comedians and cars getting coffee. With Jerry oh my Seinfeld. god, I've been watching that too. It's so good. Yes. Oh, I I can't get enough of it. The one with him and Larry David is my oh, favorite so far. That one made me laugh so hard. That one yeah. and the Will Ferrell. I haven't watched the Will Ferrell one yet. Oh, they're they're so good. I I'm gonna be so sad when I have no more to watch. It's such a cool concept of a show. It is, and I I'd love to hear about um you know when the the nuts and bolts of things like how comedians got their start why they started in comedy like i love to hear like origin stories of stuff like that especially oh steve martin had one which was really good yes. um but yeah i love to hear people talk about how they got their start especially the steve martin episode that one was just really eye opening because he yeah. had such a crazy career yeah. But yeah, go. Yeah, go it, it's it it's a it's a really good show. I highly recommend it. It's I give it my highest recommendation of a, a show to just sort of uh binge watch. Absolutely. But um but uh before we get out of here, is there anything you want to pimp before we go? Yes. Um I'll be doing a really cool Facebook Live episode of the Derek Diamond Experience this Friday which is February 2nd at 6.30 p.m. Central Time, I'll be profiling a film that you were actually a part of, Cornbread Cosa Nostra. I'll be interviewing uh, director Travis Mills as well as several of the cast members. Uh, If you watched my London Arts Acting Studio episode, it's going to be very similar to that with graphics, multi-camera shoot, and everything. Um, It should be a lot of fun. I've actually briefly talked with Travis over email uh, he seems really excited about it, so I'm looking forward to, you know, hearing all the stories. Especially like I love films that are shot locally like that. Yeah, I, I think they provide really cool stories, and I can't wait to hear everybody's side as far as making it goes. Oh, and I definitely but, had an interesting time filming that movie because I got to film in a real working prison. <laughs> I remember seeing the photos. Yeah, and I was in prison uniform, so I had to have. An, an escort everywhere I went in the prison so that the uh, the guards wouldn't mistake me for an actual <laughs> prisoner. <laughs> so that was interesting. Uh, that's awesome. But yeah, if you want to check out the show, uh, it'll be, as I said, airing live this Friday, February 2nd at 6.30 p.m. Central Time at facebook.com slash Podcast. Awesome. And as far as the pop culture palette, like I said at the beginning of the episode, we did do our monthly Patreon extra episode, which you can pick up for a dollar a month over there at uh, patreon.com slash pop culture palette. And also uh, go listen to our regular podcast that you don't have to pay for. Just head on over to at PCP show on Twitter and at PCP radio on the internets and uh, you can listen to it over there. Uh, but other than that, uh, I want to give a shout out to, I think we shouted out to him before, but uh, I don't remember if we did or not. But I want to shout out Halam Akbar for our five-star review on um, on iTunes. So thank you, sir. Nice. Thank you for that. And uh, go on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to this show at. Please give us a review. Um, that'll help us boost, uh, uh, boost us up on the front pages and in front of more people. And the more people, the better the show is going to get. So please go give us a rating and we'll give you a shout out on the show right here. 
Absolutely. So, Derek, let's go ahead and get our music going here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. You can follow us individually at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. But the best place to get a hold of us is on Twitter. So go over there and give us a shout out at at nerdcaveretro. So Derek, tell them what it's all about. Gotta catch them all. Pokemon. (laughs) Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.